Welcome to today's episode of the Grind Road to Success podcast, the place to be if you want to learn how to set yourself apart from the competition and reach your highest potential. I'm your host, Zach Krisik, and if you haven't already yet, hit the subscribe button so you never miss out on another podcast episode and the many tips, tricks, and strategies that can help you reach your highest potential. Without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Grind Road to Success podcast. Today, we have the pleasure to sit down and talk with former multi-sport athlete and power lifter, Adrian Cochet. Adrian has worked with many teams and sports, including the University of Saskatchewan Huskies, hockey and football teams, as well as the Team SAS powerlifting and golf athletes at the highest levels. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today, Adrian. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so, you know, Tell us a bit about your experience as an athlete growing up. You know, you mentioned you were a multi-sport athlete competing um, across a wide variety of sports, but, you know, what led you to the point you're at right now? And, you know, what did you learn um, along the way competing in those sports that from youth to the level you're at now? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like growing up, I grew up in a small town. So basically the the only way you have sports is if you play them because, if no one plays sports, you don't have enough people to to make a team. So basically, you know, I would say that growing up in a small town forced me to play multiple sports and and get exposed to lots of different varieties. So, you know, I played everything from minor league baseball, you know, basketball, volleyball, badminton, hockey, golf, everything. Uh, One thing I never ever did play was football so that was uh kind of the the interesting thing you know you grow up everybody's like oh did you play football one thing that I never really played um I played a little bit of um softball um and yeah so got a good good amount of exposure just from kind of my environment um and then I kind of you know grew attached to a few sports and and then got more interested and started like training for these sports and really working on things. Um, so obviously hockey was, you know, small town kid in Saskatchewan, you kind of play hockey. Uh, so hockey was like my big one growing up. I uh, played competitive hockey, double um, A caliber, basically as the highest I ever played um, in minor hockey up until midget. And then um, I got a couple of, um, I guess we'll call them not offers, but invitations to go to a couple of junior camps. Um, at which point, you know, I, I, I knew that I wasn't really at that caliber to want to pursue, you know, a fourth line position, uh, for a junior hockey team. And I made the decision to go to university instead. And, uh, because of my involvement in sports and stuff, I knew I wanted to go down the sports and medical side of, uh, of schooling. So I hopped into kin and uh, started my schooling process from there and, and just kind of got uh, more interested in it. But yeah, in, in essence, that's kind of like my, uh, my background with uh, sports growing up. And, you know, obviously there's so many different things that you can do. I think a cool experience would be uh, I was a competitive pole vaulter in, in high school and, like, again, you get exposure to so many different, like, fears and uh, 
things that you you wouldn't really expect because you're up in the air by like four meters at some point so um upside down in the sky is pretty cool and and you know that's it's kind of those those things that you're like yeah that's kind of made me kind of who i am today just being involved in all of these different experiences right on right on that's awesome um yeah and you you mentioned now you're heavily involved in the golf world um, and you train athletes at the high level, you know, working with Team Sask athletes. Um, you know, I know you kind of do your own private coaching as well. What led you to get into the golf side of things or kind of what inspired you down that path to where you are today? Yeah. So when I was a junior golfer, I played junior golf, you know, tournament golf and stuff like that a few, uh, few years. And I was never really like the highest caliber of golfer. Uh, but I enjoyed the sport and um, essentially from Jesus long ago, as I can remember, golf has been, you know, what you do in the summertime when you play hockey. <laughs> and uh, so I golfed a ton and, you know, it was, it was very interesting because I worked as a club fitter my entire high school, uh, you know, I guess we'll call it career, my entire high school life at uh, Nevada Bob's golf. And so I was around the golf environment all the time, you know, working with different golfers. And then I, uh, in university, I took, I continued working at Nevada Bob's as a club fitter and a, a sales rep. And then I took a job at um, a golf course to work maintenance on a golf course. And so I got in more into the landscaping maintenance architecture side of things and uh, met my wife at a golf course and you know, it's kind of one of those things that golf has been just been a part of my life. And then when I became a physiotherapist, the cool thing that really came across my desk was that almost, I would know if I was to throw a percentage, like 60 to 70% of people that come into my office when I ask them, you know, what, what are your hobbies, your interests, your sports, what, what kind of things are your injuries preventing you from doing? Um, golf would be like very high, like 60 to 70% of people would say golf, you know, in some form or capacity, they're like, yeah, I like to golf. And, and it's kind of at that point that I was like, geez, I should specialize in golf and um, having all the connections that I have in the sports world, just through, you know, um, being an athletic therapist for the hockey team, for the U of S hockey team, working with the football team, I I've developed, you know, a, a good network of people that, you kind of start to understand, you know, where you can play off of some of those networks, I guess, and, and put your foot in the door here and your foot in the door there. And, and ultimately I just started moving towards more golf therapy based stuff um, because there was a high need and man, I love it. It's, it's like, if I could do 100% golf clientele, I would for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. And yeah, you know, that's very interesting. I'm curious to know your perspective on the difference between, you know, golf and golf athletes compared to others. Um, because golf is one of those sports where it's solely on you, right? You don't really have that big team aspect where other players can influence the outcome of the game compared to it's just on you, right? Yeah. And I kind of want to, you know, talk about how does that affect athletes on the mental side? of the game because i know from my own experience playing golf it is the easiest game to get frustrated in it's the easiest game to you know i feel like go down that negative hole um 
where, yeah, you have one bad shot and then it's just easy to kind of get into that negative headspace. But from your experience, you know, what are some, I guess, lessons you learned relating to that golf side to stay consistent, stay positive? Um, and yeah, just the difference between kind of that single sport or single athlete sport compared to the big team uh, sports in that aspect. Well, I think like the biggest thing that I get to see on a regular basis is um, kind of the mental toughness, even just in the gym environment too. Um, you know, even I've trained multiple high caliber hockey players. Um, I work with a couple PGA Tour Canada uh, um, professionals right now. Um, you know, world champion powerlifters and an assortment of different people and and. They're all just different in terms of mental toughness in different ways, but they all kind of have this level that they can just dial into to increase their performance. So from your own experience, you know, what were the biggest challenges you kind of found relating to that mental side and the mental toughness, you know, whether that's in golf or other uh, team athletics and team sports you've coached? Yeah. So, um, Obviously, in an individual sport like golf or, say, powerlifting, um, basically, you are your, your, your own challenge. Um, and the mental toughness required to be able to kind of silence your own demons and, uh, and kind of move on and move past, you know, the, the errors and the, the issues that you face. I mean, that's, it's probably one of the biggest things that I recognize as, like, the elite versus the we'll call them amateur um the the professional level players have this level of kind of flipping the switch right where it's like move on move past it next next obstacle um because obviously whenever you're a professional or a high caliber player you're always looking to get better and um i think one of the big things is is that the only way that you can get better is recognizing your shortcomings, right? And know what to work on and know where to get better. Um, as compared to say a team sport where maybe rather than looking at your own problems, you start blaming the other people and the refs and, and uh, you know, a judgment call here or something like that, right? Where it's, you know, you, you don't take it upon yourself to be, to buck up and, and get better or figure out what you need to do or strategize or come up with, you know, a, a process to just like, okay, if that happened, let's move on. Um, and, and I feel like, you know, powerlifting and golf are my two main um, clientele and, and they're both individual sport um, athletics. So ultimately speaking, I get to see this level of grit and toughness in the gym because it's them versus them all the time, right? Whereas say a hockey player comes in and I'm training a hockey player, sometimes it's a little bit more challenging to deal with people who play a team sport because, you know, obviously there's that um, individual skill and individual hard work side of things, but but there's also this ability to kind of be like, ah, somebody else will take care of it. You know, it's not my problem, it's their, it's their problem. It's the D or it's the, the goalie. We have a crappy goalie. It's like, you know, it's no, like there's a, a level of team, you know, that um, you, you kind of pawn things off on. And I sometimes we'll see that in the gym when I'm working with, you know, a team based athletics where sometimes it's like the hard work. It doesn't, the, the grit isn't there as much because it's easier to just leave that up to somebody else. And 
again, when you look at high caliber team athletics, it's again, that mental toughness of like, I got to get better. And it's more of for my team, right? It's, it's kind of like the, the flip side of kind of like the poor, poor, pitiful me, I get stuck in this situation versus like, I need to be better because I'm going to help my team be better. And, you know, when you get to train a team of people, say like when I worked with the uh, Husky hockey team, you know, there's that mentality of like everybody lifting each other up to a certain level um, when you're playing at that high, high caliber. So I guess maybe one of the big things would be is elite versus amateur or elite versus non-elite. You obviously, you obviously see how they get to that level uh, because of the way they mentally approach the situation versus, you know, the, the, the opposite of that. For sure. For sure. Yeah, no, that's a great point right there. Um, and that's one thing, you know, I realized too, playing, you know, at that collegiate level, playing high level sports most of my life is that accountability piece, right? If you don't have that accountability, you're never going to get the results you want. Um, because yeah, it goes back to that point of, you know, blaming everything on external circumstances. So that's where I think, you know, the refs, the weather, the field conditions. And yeah. I just think, you know, can you control that? No. So why are you even focusing on it? Why are you wasting your time and energy on it? Let's start focusing and reframing to what we can control, right? So that's looking internally into, all right, you know, what can I do today to better myself, to better my team? Um, and, you know, you kind of mentioned uh, in the gym, it's them versus them. And, you know, a motto I live by is it's you against you. So that same kind of mentality, uh, it doesn't matter what sport you play, uh, what event you're doing is it's you against you at the end of the day. Right. And I think, you know, if we're talking about terms of failure um, and pushing to that next level, you know, I feel like so many young athletes are scared to, you know, they have those fears, which we all do, but it's just pushing to that higher potential, right. Taking accountability for every single result. It doesn't matter if it was your fault or not. That's yeah. ultimately what's going to get you to that next level. And that's what I realized, you know, especially working with elite athletes and competing at that elite level is if you're on a team, and yeah, you're making those excuses, not taking accountability. You're never going to change. You're never going to get the results you want compared to taking accountability, even if it wasn't your fault or not, that allows you to make change. That allows you to have control. And if you have control, now we can get the results we want. So yeah, you know, that's a very interesting point there. I'm curious, you know, from your own experience competing in athletics, um, you know, whatever sport it may be. How were you able to manage some of those challenges, you know, push through the failures, push through the mental side um, and stay consistent with your results? Yeah, I mean, I'll give you two really good examples here. So when I was pole vaulting, um, you know, obviously it's it's an individual sport again, um, but you're against other people, obviously. Right. And so you're trying to be at, you know, a specific level and trying to to do a personal best for your own standards kind of thing. And, you know, you can run into situations where you see other people who are better than you. And it, and like, it always motivated me to be like, if they can be that good, why can't I, you know, like I've always been, you know, maybe it's just like the way I was raised or what, but it's like, I see something that somebody else can do. And I'm like, why can't I do that? I'm going to go do that. Um, but I've, you know, you fight those little gremlins all the time where it's like, oh, they're way better than me. Why do I even try? You know, like those, those gremlins are always there. But I think that's kind of the thing in my athletics that always drove me to, to 
go keep going and get better and get better is more along the lines of like just that mental toughness of why can't I, you know? And, and if I do fail, there's something to learn from the failure versus like, you know, sulk about not meeting a standard or, you know, like almost lighting a fire underneath your ass kind of thing, you know, like just like get up and go like, um, another good example, powerlifting, you know, it's like to compete at Western. So I competed at Westerns uh, would have been three years ago and to compete at Westerns in a specific weight class where the guys that are at the top of my weight class in the world are lifting like 200 kilograms heavier than I am, you know, like their totals are 200 kgs heavier than that's 400 pounds stronger than me. That's like the world caliber. And I'm like sitting here in like Western Canada and like getting, you know, top five finish. But then you look at that as like, geez, I'm still like, way behind you know but obviously I took that as like uh okay well I guess I got a lot of work to do let's put in the work and and get to work you know versus like I'm never gonna get there shut down and quit you know like I've never been somebody who who quits easily I've always kind of found failure as as like a a directional push versus like uh pushing down it's like push forwards get better um again, I think it comes down to like, if you're going to get better, you have to have that mentality that like, the only way to get better is to recognize that you're not the best. <laughs> and that you have something to move towards and that there's always a way to get better. Um, I follow a, a few YouTubers and stuff. And this one guy, he's got this motto he uses, it's proud, but not satisfied. You know, he's like, he says that, like, I'm proud of where I've come to, but I'm not satisfied with where I'm at, you know, like, I want to continue to get better. Um, like, that's kind of the way I look at things is like, there's always improvements to be made. For sure, for sure. And yeah, that's a great mindset to have, especially, you know, relating to those failures. And this is one thing that I kind of changed that really helped me. And, you know, I wish I would have had this mindset earlier. But dealing with failures is most people are focused on that outcome, right? So whether it's that championship game, right? I want to win that. Or, you know, I want to become better. I want to become stronger. I want to become faster. All right. You know, that's the outcome. And that's what we're working towards. But if you're solely focused on that, just understand that if you want to become the best, there's going to be many challenges. There's going to be many failures. Um, the stress, like there's so many things that build up that most people kind of neglect or just, you know, don't realize. But if you want to become the best at something, you're going to have to invest all of your time, all of your money, all of your energy, if you truly want to get to that next level. But yeah, dealing with failure and reframing it as the process. So you kind of, you know, mentioned and touched on this a bit, but, you know, I think of failure as just feedback, right? All failure is, is understanding, all right, we're not where we want to be. Things aren't working out. Okay, cool. What do we need to change rather than, you know, holding on to that identity? Because yeah. that's what I feel like really brings so many people down. So many athletes, so many youth athletes is they fail at something, you know, whether it's an exam in school as well, um, you know, whether it's a rejection in relationships, this can, you know, correlate to so many things. But when we're faced with failure, what most people do is they hold on to that as the identity and they start yeah. thinking, oh, I'm a failure, Right. And when you start affirming that to yourself, well, you're going to think that you're going to feel that and you're going to believe that compared to thinking, all right, I failed. 
Now, what can I learn from it? What can I change? What can I do to get where I want to be? So that was a huge thing I realized that helped me, especially when I competed at that college level. Um, you know, I was never the best player on the team. I was never the most talented, but when I switched my mindset to start working for me instead of against me, that's when I started noticing huge results, you know, and just my mood, my performance, uh, confidence, all of it connected and tied together. Um, because yeah, you know, I was able to reframe those failures and get back on track rather than holding it all together and pushing you down. Um, so yeah, that's a very good point right there. Have you, have um, you read Atomic Habits? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a great that's, one. That's kind of like a book that I read I don't know, two years ago, three years ago, maybe now that just like, I don't know, it just kind of like flipped the switch again, more along the lines of like, no doubt, you know, I went to university for seven and a half years kind of thing. And one thing that I've kind of always looked at is like, they always talk about goal setting, you know, like set a goal and, you know, they use like the smart goal method of things. And like, one of the things that I look at is like, it, the process is way more important than the goal, you know, like it, you can set a goal, but the goal is not necessarily like what you're after because like, ultimately when you get there, like, okay, now what, you know? Um, and, or if you fall short now, what does that tell you? You know, like, for example, like weight loss goals, you know, so many people will be like, I'm going to lose 15 pounds by this uh, date and blah, 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 blah. And they set this like hard end to something. And, you know, let's just say they, they set the goal of 15 pounds. Well, maybe they lost 14.5 pounds, but according to their goal, they've actually failed at that. And then the entire process that happened to get them that 14 and a half pounds off becomes something that they're like, it doesn't work, you know? And, and it's literally like what the, I've seen this like meme one time where it was like the, the dude chipping away at a, a mine and the diamonds are just on the other side. And it's like this much left before he gets, them. and then he turns around and goes back, you know, it's like, you put in all of this work, but because you didn't get there, you just see this as this like process that doesn't work. But like, obviously, you know, you lost 14 and a half pounds, you know, like you were doing something right. And I think that's where we got to look at is like, you know, when somebody has a goal in mind, it's maybe like something that's just happens because of the process versus like becoming the, the entire reason why you do something. Um, again, in, in atomic habits, he says something along the lines of like, ultimately speaking, winners and losers both have the goal to win. You can't have a game that's played with two teams that win, you know? Um, and like, sad to say, but like the society we created nowadays is like, everybody gets a participation ribbon and it's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't necessarily matter if you win, you're still a winner in my eyes. It's like, well, now you don't learn from not winning, <laughs> you know, like if you go to a hockey game and you're like, I didn't win and you're told like, oh, that's still good enough. You don't think that there's more, you don't think that you can get better. You don't. You don't strive towards being better because there's no consequence to losing, right? You don't feel the urge or the necessity to do better. And like some of that's just like the way that people are now taught to like think about the world and just be like, you know, I don't want to get into like 
the whole details of all this, but like, sometimes I'm concerned for the society ahead of us because like nobody has grit, nobody has resiliency, nobody has the ability to kind of just like buck up and move forward. It's like, you know, it's this accommodation of, of your feelings to make you feel better versus like, okay, I feel this certain way. Let's figure out how to deal with this. You know, like, I don't know. It's just this whole culture I think we've created lately. For sure. For sure. And, you know, I agree with you a hundred percent there. Um, and, and the thing I've realized, you know, competing at that high level and competing at the college level is that you learn more from your failures than you will learn from any success. All right. Yeah. So of course our goal, right. You know, we want to achieve the success. We want to get those results, but you don't learn anything from succeeding all the time. Right. You learn so much more from the failures, the struggles, because, you know, it, it's really counterintuitive to think about it now, but whenever I feel pain, you know, whenever I'm feeling down, I'm feeling, uh, you know, pissed off, I'm feeling whatever it may be, I understand that my emotions are telling me something, right? Yeah. So before, you know, if I was angry, pissed off, right, I'd go down that rabbit hole. Um, and most people, you know, don't deal with their emotions properly. But I just realized, you know, what? I can use these emotions for me. I can push myself forward, right? I turn that into energy. I turn it into motivation and that allows me to get the results I want because, right, like I said, it's just feedback. So what do we need to change? What do we need to do? You're not where you want to be. All right, then change rather than yeah. sitting, going down that hole, the rabbit hole, just feeling sorry for yourself. And again, I've been there. I've been through all of this and I'm sure most athletes can relate, but use those negative emotions, use the failure as an opportunity to grow. And that's the big piece I realized is there's an opportunity with every failure. You just need to identify it, right? Once you find it, that allows you to get the results you want. That allows you to change and grow. Um, and just relating to, yeah, that point of failure and success is success is only 1% of the process, right? Yeah. The rest yeah. is failure. Whether you think it yeah. or not, it's all just failure. It's all adjustments. And the only way you get there, the only way you get to success is to like identify the weak links, right? Like, I think one thing that I would say is that like, I know how successful someone can become when I do an assessment on them because of the way that they take the information that I'm giving them. So my job is literally to point out all of a person's problems, right? Like I sit there, I do a physio assessment and I go, you suck at this, you suck at this, you suck at this, you suck at this. If you get better at these, look how much better you'll get, right? Like, but some people, you know, take that as me being like, you you just said I'm not good enough at all of these things, right? Rather than taking that as like, oh, there's where I need to improve. It's more along the lines of like, oh, I'm not good enough, you know? And I try to word it in a way where it's like not pushing them down that you're not good enough road, but more along the lines of like, hey, look at how much room for improvement you have in your hip rotation as a golfer. Look how much room for improvement you have in your you know, club head speed, if you can get your hips stronger or more stable or whatever. And, and during an assessment, my job is literally to point out all your flaws. It like, it's what I'm supposed to do so that I know where to go with it. But when you give somebody information like that, it can be a big, big problem, especially when you're dealing with athletes, because, you know, ultimately I work with a ton of junior golfers 
and they haven't really had to go through any crap in their lives yet to like learn how to move past it, become resilient and take that on the chin and move forwards. So like, I literally had this kid that I was like, oh man, like your, your hip rotation's not that good or your shoulder rotation's not that good. And, and he like was sulky about it, you know, like he, he kind of got like down on himself and he's like, oh, I don't really want to do it now. And da, 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 da. And it's just kind of like, whoa, okay. I got to pump the brakes here. Cause I'm giving you information and you're taking it in a totally wrong way rather than taking it as like, all right, let's move forward. Let's work on these, these things that you just identified as my weak links, you know? And he took it as like, I'm, I'm weak. I'm never going to get better. I, I can't get better. I don't know how to move forward. You know, it was like a success key. For sure. For sure. And you know, and that's the thing about society today, right? I'm not going to generalize everyone, but with so many people, the reason they don't get the results they want is because they hold themselves back in the first place and they decide to play the victim. So the thing is, life isn't easy for anyone. If you think it is, well, you're probably in for a rude awakening. But yeah. the thing is, you can decide to either take it as a negative or you can take it as a positive. So, you know, with criticism, with advice and anything, learn from it. You know, I will listen to anyone. It doesn't matter who you are. I'll take their advice, right? Tell me what you want me to learn. Now I'm going to figure out a way, okay, how can I apply this in my life? How can I use this to get better? And if I, it doesn't apply, if I can't use it, all right, then disregard it, move on to something else. But yeah, it comes back to that point of so many people play the victim. They don't take accountability. They make excuses and you wonder you, you don't, why you don't get the results you want right? Compared to taking accountability, always wanting to learn and get better. That's when you're going to start getting the results you want compared to, you know, just accepting, all right, I'm not good enough, or I can never be there. Or, you know, what does this person know what they're talking about? So yeah. again, it's ultimately up to you and your choice. And you know, it, whoever's listening to this podcast right now, I want you to think about, okay, what can I do to get better? You know, what can I learn? How can I use this to my advantage? Um, so start taking advice, start learning from different perspectives. Um, and that's, you know, a big piece and big idea with this podcast and the grind road to success podcast is gaining new insights and perspectives uh, to things on how you can increase your performance. Right. And I feel like that's, that's a really great way to start getting the results you want. Right. So you learn from someone, uh, you take a little bit of advice from them. You take a little bit, couple ideas from them. Um, and you can get ideas from somewhere else, right? You start piecing together your own story and that's when you can move forward. So Adrian, tell me a bit about your experience on the physio side of things. You know, what can athletes do to stay consistent and stay healthy uh, throughout the year, you know, competing in their sport and into the off season as well? Yeah, actually, um, love this topic. I could I'm writing a book about it right now, so I could I could talk for hours. But um, ultimately, realistically, it all comes down to capacity. So if if you were to think about like a financial equation or a bank account right now, right? If you were like, okay, I've got a hundred thousand dollars sitting in the bank account, right? You're like, that's your capacity. You can go and buy something with as much money as a hundred thousand dollars right so if your daily life your your 
you know, specific needs withdraw, you know, a thousand bucks here, 500 bucks there. You like, you've got a lot of spending to do before you spend all your a hundred thousand dollars. Right. And I always look at the physical bank account the same way, right? Like your capacity in terms of strength, endurance, range of motion, it, you have a specific amount in your physical savings account, right? In your ability to do something. Um, so we'll use strength as an example, right? If, if I have the ability to lift 500 pounds, say in a deadlift, my capacity is 500 pounds. Well, there's not very much in my day-to-day -day life that's going to even make a blip in my radar, right? So I'm not going to have a ton of recovery to do if my life happens at say 50 pounds and I've got this physical capability of 500, right? It's the same as the, the bank account situation where my daily expenditures are a hundred dollars and you know, I've got a hundred thousand dollars. Like my, the interest on my, you know, savings account in itself maintains itself as long as I keep replenishing, as long as I keep recovering what I spend. Right. And so the thing I always run into is that most people in the athletics world, if they're looking to get better, the most important thing you can do is build a bigger savings account, right? Like train to put more into the tank, you know, train to put more availability there so that when you are playing your sport, you're not maxed out all the time and you don't have a ton of recovery to do because you happen to be able to perform at an easier state. Now we'll call golf, for example, right? If you're trying to play on the PGA Tour and you have to swing out of your shoes every single shot just to keep up with everybody because you don't have the strength and the abilities that they do, you're going to be in a really tough situation trying to play four days in a row because you're going to be exhausted after one, right? Now, if you put in all of the training in the offseason to build a bigger savings account, right, to put more physical strength, physical abilities, control into your body, then you don't have to swing as hard all the time because you're you're capable of doing it at a much less effort level. And so one of the things that I always look at is like, okay, my job typically comes down to pointing out the areas of weakness, pointing out limitations in a person and, and recognizing where their bank accounts are, are limited, right? Where, where's the weak links in this bank account? And what do I got to do to build that up, right? Again, go back to finances. If you want to put more money into your bank account, typically speaking, you have to either save money or make more, right? And you, it's really, really hard to save money if you're constantly expending it, right? And if you can put more in, then all of a sudden you, you're building this on, uh, on a compounding effect, right? You're, you're seeing the fruitful gains over and over and over again. Because you can do more, you do more. Because you too can do more, you do more. Because you can do more, you do more, right? It's like a, an 80-year-old person who, you know, if they wake up every morning and they have a hard time getting out of their bed and can only sit down and drink a coffee all day, well, that's a pretty crappy quality of life to live because their physical savings account is so low. But if you open that up a little bit and, and build, you know, even 20 pounds worth of strength, it's like, wow, now because I have 20 pounds worth of strength, I can go for a walk. And because I can go for a walk, I can walk to coffee. 
Because I walk to coffee, I meet new friends. Because I meet new friends, I have a social experiment and or experience. And because I have this social experience, I get invited to other things. And because I'm doing other things, I build more capacity because I'm physically active more frequently. You know, it's just like this compounding effect. Because I can, I do. Because I do, I can. Because I can, I do. And just up and up and up and up, right? Well, the same is true for injuries, right? Like if someone Mm -hmm. gets hurt instantly, that's a massive withdrawal. Now you're looking at capacity and it's like, I can't do things because I can't weight bear on my ankle for six weeks. You're instantly dwindling that account because you can't replenish it, right? The most challenging piece of rehab is rebuilding the bank account. It's not the injury. The injuries heal. The injuries repair either through surgery or natural. And the problem that we always run into is that people don't rebuild their physical capacity before they get to the level that they're trying to use it at. So again, using the same equation, now imagine yourself where you only have a thousand dollars in your bank account, right? This is right after an injury. You're, you drained that thing. You've only got a thousand dollars in your bank account and you spend a thousand dollars every day, right? You are literally doing this right at that baseline level. And you are one extra activity away from going into debt, right? You are one emergency going away from, away from going into debt. You are one problem away from going into debt. Well, debt in the physical capacity is typically injury, right? If you're physically capable of only lifting two pounds, five pounds, 10 pounds, whatever you want to look at it as, that means that you pull out all of that amount every single time you're doing that. And you're one activity away from hurting yourself. You're one activity away from spending all you've got to spend. And I would say that that's probably one of the most common things that I see in the rehab world is that it, it people just don't replenish that, right? And whether it's recovery, whether it's proper training programs, whether it's an understanding of what healing and recovery are. Um, you know, there's so many different pieces of the puzzle, but in a, in a general capacity, we'll call it capacity. It all has to do with your capacity, right? Like, do you have the capacity to perform at the level that you want to perform at the drop of a hat? Right. That's whether you've got your 500 pound capability or a 50 pound capability whatever your demands are, you need to build that. You need to work back up to that if you got hurt or if you're trying to just get there in general, right? You have to work up to that level. You have to constantly be pushing the play button to put more in, put more in, put more in, put more in, put more in. If you aren't depositing more than you're withdrawing, you're there's a problem, right? Like you're not going to get there. <laughs> For sure, 100%. Um, and yeah, you know what, just as you were talking about that, the idea of investment comes to my mind. Um, so personally mm-hmm. for me, you know, I'm big on investing, you know, just creating leverage on my time, my money, my energy. How can I have more of it? How can I have that higher capacity? Like you say. Um, so I just think about that, you know, if we want to be able to perform at that higher level, get that higher capacity of our strength, uh, you know, our bank account, for example, we got to be able to invest in ourselves. 
So, you know, if we look at the stock market, for example, I'm not going to go too much into this, but, you know, daily, it's going to be up and down, right? That's the stock market. It goes up and down, up and down, up and down. That's part of it. But if you look at it over, you know, months, decades, of course, hopefully you're, you're in a, a good stock, whatever it may be, but it's going up exponentially, right? So the yeah. more we train, the more time we invest, the more money we invest, the more energy we put into something now, the greater returns we're going to get in the future, right? So what is your ROI? What are you getting from your investments? Um, so yeah, back to that point of, you know, how can we increase? How can we uh, perform at that higher level? Okay, well, you got to start training right now. You got to start getting to that higher level. You got to start lifting heavier weights. Um, yeah. You got to, you know, get more conditioning in. You got to stay consistent in order to get those massive results that you want. So, yeah. you know, you're kind of, talking about your goals earlier is yeah how can we reach our goals well first we got to stay consistent to get where we, where we want to be and i feel like that's so tough for so many people is just that consistency consistency piece All and it's got to like be it. planned right like that yeah. that's the thing right like is you could say i have the goal to have the ability to build my capacity to 500 pounds right like you could say that but you need to have the scientific plan to build strength and mass and capability to 500 pounds. Like you can't just show up at the gym and be like, all right, I'm going to try lifting 500 pounds today. See what happens. Right. Like yeah. there's so many people who are like that, that, that think like I can just show up and it's just going to be there. And it's, you've probably seen this before too, but when you grow up watching, you know, natural athletes, right? Where it's like, they just got this like innate skill and ability. Well, it's a rude awakening to those players when hard work has to be involved, right? Because they've just showed up all of their life and had that ability. And now there's a bunch of people at that level that they're trying to break through. And all of a sudden it's like, man, what, what I have to work hard now. And, and lots of times that's where you'll see these people who could become amazing high quality, high caliber athletes that fall off, right? Yeah. Because now they, they hit a little bit of friction and it's not as easy for them anymore to be the best guy on the, on the ice or at the golf course or on the ball diamond or wherever it is. And they can't just show up and have this ability anymore. They now need to start building up their bank account because their, their abilities aren't good enough anymore. Like they need to build beyond what, they just bring to the table. Right, you look at right. like Connor McDavid or, you know, uh, Austin Matthews, any of these high level hockey players that you, you know, like, or we'll go into golf, right? There's way more high caliber athletes now than there was back in Wayne Gretzky's day than there was when Tiger Woods was at the top, right? Like nowadays they're all so good because they've all learned the science behind the training to get to that level. They've all come up through that kind of like, I got to work hard to get where I need to go. And there's more people that are working harder to get to those levels. But then all of a sudden you find these, these kids that, you know, say when they're playing midget double a or whatever, it's like, yeah, I'm still the best guy here. Well, you put that guy onto a WHL team, NHL team. You're not the best guy there anymore. Now the hard work has to start, right? And if you don't have the the 
gumption to actually put in the work, you're not going to get very far. And, you know, that's, I, I see it all the time in golf where these junior golfers, they're good, they're good, they're good. Then they go to play in Florida and then they come home sulky. You know, they go and play and they're like, I'm not good enough. This isn't, I, I, I don't want to work hard to be the best player. I, I'm just, just hoping that I could just play, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. And oh, I'm so glad you brought that point up because, you know, that's why it's so important that we have both sides of the game to work on. So I just break it up into mental and physical. And this was me as well. And I'm sure most athletes is they just focus on that physical aspect and sure that'll get you far enough to the high school level. But if you want to go the distance, you want to get to the professional level, you want to play at the collegiate level. <laughs> if you don't have that mental side, you're going to struggle. Believe me. And that's yeah. what I see with so many youth athletes. So my friends, everyone. Um, yeah, they were, you know, the talented athlete when they were younger. Um, but then they go to example, yeah, Florida, California, they go to the States to play college sports. Um, and now they're not the man anymore, right now they're struggling. And exactly yeah. because now you're in a field with so many other athletes that are competing at that same level, right? So you could be the man in small town, Saskatchewan. Sure. Good for you. But if you want to go the distance, you want to reach the professional level. Well, there's a whole lot more out in front of you that you got to conquer before you'll yeah. ever get there. So that's why, yeah, it's so important, especially to have that mental side where we can push through the challenges, the failures and get through that adversity to get where we want to be. Otherwise, if you're just relying on talent alone, I, you're never going to succeed in the long term because there's athletes out there that aren't as talented as you, but they're putting in the work. They're waking up early, getting to the gym. They have their nutrition plan to put on weight, lose weight, whatever they need to be. They're getting their schooling done and studying beforehand so they can get the scholarships they want and have a better opportunity to get to professional level, to get the results they want if that's what they desire. So yeah, that's a, a great point there, especially relating to, you know, the talent and skill piece there is yeah. and that's what I realized. So many athletes, so many youth athletes, and I was the same way when I was younger, think it's just all about talent, right? It's all about the physical side, being the fastest, strongest um, athlete on the field. Well, it doesn't matter how strong or fast you are if you can't handle the failures and adversities. Because yeah. as soon as you face challenge, which I promise you, you will, you won't be able to push through it. It's going to tear you down and hold you back. And if you can't get through that, if you can't manage the stresses, the pressures, um, you know, the time, well, you're not going to succeed in the long run. So yeah, yeah that's, that's a huge point. You ever yeah. notice, you ever notice how, successful people are usually on two ends of the spectrum they're either at rock bottom and they've got nothing to lose so they have to put it all on the line or they've got it so good that they can lose a little bit and it doesn't make as big of a difference you know like um if you just think about like how many success stories do you hear in professional sport where it's like yeah, my dad had to take extra shifts just to be able to pay for me to go to junior camps or to do whatever, you know, like they're always this like bottom end. I have to work hard to get what I need. You know, they're, they're always these like success stories because of the adversity that they face because of the mental strength that they have to get to build up to that level. 
Or you end up on the other end of the spectrum where everything's just given to you, given to you, given to you, given to you. And then all of a sudden you, you get it, you get to where you're going. And then you're like, I'm just going to quit because I, I'm not enjoying it. You're right. You hear, you hear players in professional sports that quit their sport because they're not enjoying it because of the nature of where, like how they got there. And, and now they've got all of this stardom and everything. And like, it's just been given it to them all along. But, you know, as soon as it becomes something that you're like relying upon to make your money, especially it's like, I'm not enjoying this enough. I'm just going to quit. You know, like I think you look at uh, Anthony Kim. Do you remember Anthony Kim? Yeah. The golfer, AK. So yeah. nobody, nobody's seen or heard from him in who knows how long, 10 years, right? Maybe even longer. And the big thing I look at with him is like, he was so, so good. Like he was on Tiger's level. He was the guy that everybody was like, you know, he's, he's winning, he's playing well, making a ton of money. And then he got hurt. And I think there was an insurance claim that happened and the insurance payout was big enough for him to say, I don't want to play golf enough anymore. I'm just going to live off of my insurance money. And it's something like that where you're like, you, you've had it all along, all along, all along. You know, you've, his parents had money. He, he got, you know, big scholarships. Like he was given it all along. And then the opportunity to get out came and he didn't enjoy it enough to stay. You know, like somebody who has worked through the ranks to get to that level, I don't think is going to quit golfing if they can get back to golfing. You know, like sure. that's that's kind of the way I look at it is there's, there's two extremes. The people in the middle, a lot of the people in the middle on, you know, the we'll call it the success, uh, success spectrum. If you've showed up and, you know, you you haven't, necessarily had to work hard all your life um but you were never really given anything and and you just kind of like learned to kind of coast through because it's like i'm just living in the living in the world that's where we run into the problems with you know the non-resiliency issues because you know like you've you've got this way about it where it's like i'm i'm living inside of my comfort zone i don't want to go outside of my comfort zone to get somewhere and you might play college sport, you might play high level minor league sports and things like that. But now when somebody's like, okay, you're going to have to work harder. It's like, nah, I don't really want to, I don't want to go outside of my comfort zone, you know, like, and everybody who lives in the comfort zone will not be successful. You know, it's very hard to be successful and, and live inside the comfort zone. You need to kind of push the envelope, right? And and that's kind of, you know, in the gym, same thing. If you want to get stronger, that workout can't be comfortable, you know? If you want to improve your range of motion, that stretch can't be comfortable, you know? Like, if you want to, uh, you know, get stronger, faster, you got to wake up a little bit earlier to fit it into your lifestyle, Right. Versus like, I'm going to sleep in. I want to be comfortable. You know, like there's there's aspects of like comfortness that like 
so many people that we know live in myself included i live a freaking cushy life you know like uh i don't have to do anything ex ex like strenuous to 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 feel like i'm happy you know like my my life right now is very comfortable but also there's so many times where i like look at it i'm like man like why can't i have that why can't i do this why do i need to work this many hours per day and this many hours per week and you know and and like i have to do this so that i can have my comfort you know yeah versus yeah. like okay maybe if i just do a little bit more i won't have to do the things that i don't want to do you know as much to get to For that sure. level get to the things that i want to do i don't know i'm just rambling now but at the same time though it's like this comfort zone problem that we live in everything's got to be comfortable i think we talked about that earlier with kids these days and resiliency and the, and the social you know approach to things that we have of like you know i'm going to accommodate to make you feel comfortable like you go to you a steakhouse i don't want to rag on anybody but like if you go to a steakhouse and you're a vegetarian you can't expect them to have a full-on vegetarian menu you know like I don't have a problem with you being a vegetarian, but you can't go to Montana's a steakhouse and expect them to make you comfortable and, you know, cater to you. That's just the way, yeah. like, I think a lot of things happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more a hundred percent there. Um, and that's the thing is anyone listening to this podcast right now, I want you to remember this is that growth does not happen in your comfort zone understand that if you want to grow, you want to achieve your greatest goals, you must do what's uncomfortable. Okay. So it's the early mornings. It's putting in the workouts. It's doing the work when you don't feel like it. All right. That's when you're going to start seeing the results. If you act on how you feel, you'll never get the results you want because our mood changes every single day. It's up, down, up, down, up, down from day to day. And that's not consistent. So you need to build that discipline in to start getting the results you want. But, you know, one thing I tell my athletes and all the athletes I coach is if you're doing something and it feels uncomfortable, that means you're doing something right. Because now we're starting to change. Now we're starting to, you know, grow, adapt and get where we want to be rather than staying where you are. And it's totally fine. If you want to stay in your comfort zone, that's cool. But don't expect to get the results you want. Don't expect to reach those massive goals you want and, you know, achieve your greatest goals and desires. But, you know, one thing that, that really stood out to me uh, my first mentor told me this and he said, if you are not a hundred percent passionate about something, you will never put a hundred percent effort into it. So if you're only 50% passionate about it, you're only going to put 50% effort into it. And that just really stood out to me because, you know, I started looking back on why I was willing to push through certain things, you know, push through certain challenges compared to others where I just, you know, had no motivation to push forward. So I think, you know, you're kind of touching on that a bit before, but if you want to go the distance, you want to see those massive results, um, you want to get to the professional level, right? You got to start stepping outside of your comfort zone and you got to be passionate about what you do because understand that challenge is always going to be there. It doesn't matter how much success you see in the moment, there's going to be a new challenge. There's going to be a failure, all right? How do you adapt to that? How do you handle those? And are you able to handle those? That's a big piece too, is, you know, that mental side, that mental resiliency of 
if you can't handle those challenges and failures and they bring you into that negative space, which I've been, and I'm sure most athletes can relate again, but if we have the mindset to push through it and understand, all right, this is just part of the process. This is just something I need to get through to get where I want to be. Then it makes it so much easier rather than if you're not passionate about it, well, you're not going to put the effort into it. And it's as simple as that, right? When you really, really, really want something, that's when you're going to be willing to push through the challenges. That's where the discipline comes in and you understand, all right, you know, I don't feel like waking up today and going to the gym, uh, going to school, doing the work, going to practice, but you realize, all right, I want to achieve my greatest goals. How do I get there? Well, we got to do what we need to today. All right. We got to push through those challenges today to get where I want to be tomorrow. Otherwise, you're going to stay stuck where you are your entire life. Um, so, yeah, what do you kind of think about that? 100%. Yeah, I'd say like you hit the nail on the head. Like as I was talking about before, if you're not passionate about something, you're looking for the way out, right? Like I was talking about Anthony Kim, you know, it's like I, obviously he wasn't, you know, in a state of his career where he's winning and winning and winning and winning. But then he has this way out and he's and he's not been seen by the golf world. If you love golf and you get hurt, whether it's an insurance payout or not, you don't ghost the golf world. You know, uh, I would say like that's the, the great way of looking at it is like if you're not passionate, you're not going to put the effort in. Right. You're not you're not going to get to where you want to be because you're not putting the effort in. And that's what I was talking about. If you're on one extreme of the of the scale where it's like it's always just been given to you and you've just showed up and it just naturally just happened to be there. Well, as soon as the effort level's there, you're not passionate enough about it to put in the effort level sometimes. And maybe that's the case where you look at yourself in the mirror and you go, this isn't really what my dreams are. This really isn't what my goals are. And that's a very, like, it's a strong decision to make, but like sometimes that decision needs to be made. You know, like if you get to the highest level and you're like, I hate this. I do not want to do this, but you've gotten there just because you've had the skill, you've had the ability and it just so happened to fall on your lap. You know, you have to be able to also like stand there and be like, okay, when the going gets tough, do I love this enough to actually keep going? You know, like, uh, I think that for myself, we'll call it powerlifting. Like I'm a competitive powerlifter. I do compete. But I've recently had two kids. And at this point right now, I'm passionate enough to about powerlifting to like put in the grind work and, and continue to work on my craft, even when it's hard as hell to do it. You know, like there's just so many different challenges where it's like I can't train at the schedule that I normally would on the frequency I normally would. I've had to adjust so much. But my goals right now aren't necessarily to be stepping on a platform and competing at a world caliber status. My goal is to do that when I'm 50. You know, like I, I told, like, I don't know if many of these people know who, who my boss is, but Blaine, my, my boss, he is a competitive powerlifter. He's in his 50s. And I tell Blaine every day, I don't want to break records now. I want to break records when I'm your age. <laughs> and that's kind of like, you know, the, the whole mentality that I face life with right now is like, it's, it's this time. I got to put in the work now to get to that level. Then if I try to like kill myself now doing that with something that I'm like, you know, ah, it's just going to take time. I've got all these other things, you know, 
my life right now is focusing on me at 50, <laughs> my retirement plan, my goals of strength, my goals of life, like where do I want to be living? What do I want my kids to be able to do? Like everything that I'm doing right now in my life, it from a success, from a successful perspective is focusing on what 50 looks like for me, you know, not 35 year old me five years from now. You know, like if, if I looked so short sightedly at my 35 year self, I'm, I'm definitely not going to be happy with the trajectory that I'm on because I, I want that when I'm 50, you know, it's, it's about like building and planning to get to those levels. Again, I'll go back to finances. Like if you're looking at that, that, uh, way of a retirement plan, if you will, like if you start investing at 18, their earliest age, you can put money into a TFSA that compounds. And by the time you're 50, you're a millionaire, you know, like, but if you wait until you're like, Oh, now I have to start right again. If you, if you only start working hard when you have to start working hard, you're going to be so far behind because you could have started and compounded it way sooner. Like if I yeah. only started investing right now, I won't retire at the age of 50. I can't. It's just physically impossible unless I have this like something fall into my lap. Again, not not much stuff just falls into your lap these days. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. And yeah, you know, that point of investment, right? I just think the more time, money, energy you invest now, the greater returns you're going to get in the future. So, right, ask yourself, what are my goals? What do I want to achieve? How can I get there? Well, let's start now, right? Little by little, putting that time in, putting that energy in, putting that money in today so you can start seeing the results compound. And yeah, we have we won't go into that too much, but compound interest is huge. And if you can learn how to leverage that, you can gain massive results in anything that you want to achieve. But yet, yeah, you know, before we head off here, I just want to ask you one final question. Um, if you could go back, you know, and tell yourself in your youth years competing in those athletics, what would be one piece of advice you'd give yourself um, to succeed and reach your highest potential? Okay, so first thing I would probably do is I would tell myself that in the future, like you're going to have so many more things than just like hockey in your life. <laughs> And, and the one thing that I look at is like, I, I was one of those kids who was small and I had to grind and I had to like to, to be able to play even just double a hockey in minor hockey and get the opportunities to go and try junior play, uh, play junior. Like I had to grind all the time. And the one thing that I look at is that some of the time I was spinning my tires in a direction that I didn't know where to go. You know, I didn't have a plan. I was just working hard. I didn't know how to handle my emotions. I was just working hard. You know, if if I was to like look back now and be able to be like 10 years from now, you're going to have so many more challenges than you have now to, to like when you're 30, you're going to have two kids and you're going to be a competitive power lifter. Good luck. You know, like if, if I look at like what my struggles were when I was a young hockey player, they were nothing. I had no struggles. And it was and it was so hard to just work hard for my sport versus life. 
you know, like you, when you're playing hockey, it's like, I got an exam to do and practice and go home. My parents will cook me meal. You know, you, you've got nothing to worry about, you know? And I think like, I took that for, for granted, obviously that, that I, you know, I could just focus on hockey and focus on playing but at the same time, I never had direction. I didn't have a coach that taught me how to deal with the, you know, the emotions of not making a hockey team. I didn't have, you know, my parents really didn't know how to handle that stuff. And, and you know, I didn't have a trainer. I didn't have uh, a physiotherapist. I didn't have a nutrition coach. I didn't have, I didn't have help. You know, it was literally just like, you get told you have to work hard. And I was waking up to go for runs. It's like, was running the most useful thing for me probably not like I probably could have put on some meat onto my bones you know like I was 130 pounds playing midget double a hockey like you know there's just a, a a vast amount of information that you need to have to get to the level that you want to get to and maybe that's why I didn't end up playing you know higher than double a midget hockey you know like Maybe I, maybe I could have been a, a player that made some bigger changes and, you know, put on some meat on my bones when I was younger and built a bit more of that, that brute strength and, and been able to kind of muscle my way through into, you know, a higher caliber, even like a scholarship for university or something, you know, like, but I would say like, I worked so hard in the wrong direction so many times and now that I look at it again, like I said, it's like, okay, you were, you felt like you were working so hard, but you were just going down the wrong road. You know, it's like, I think Atomic Habits talks about like, if you're going to put the work to climb a ladder, make sure the ladder's on the right damn wall. You know, like you don't want to get to the top of the ladder and be like, oh, wait, this isn't where I wanted to be. <laughs> um, yeah. So like, I feel like that's what I did as a, as a young athlete. And I wish that I would have had the resiliency and like the, the stuff that I have today because I've learned from living 30 years of my life how to deal with things. I wish I had that when I was younger. You know, I wish I had my 30-year-old mind when I was younger. And I think that was kind of like, again, I think more to a, a coaching or um, access to resources problem that I didn't. I didn't seek out that information. I didn't try to, I just, you know, was told by my dad. Yeah. You got to work hard. Okay. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> you know, maybe that's, maybe that's the big thing for me is just like direction. I wish I had more direction. For sure. For sure. Yeah, no, and I, I totally agree with you and can rela relate. Um, you know, I was someone in high school that could get away with, you know, studying the night before getting away with those eighties, nineties. I was talented enough to compete but when I got to that college level, it was a huge jump up. And that's where I feel like so many young athletes don't realize is, okay, now you have less time. You got to manage your school schedule, which is even more rigorous um, than your sports schedule, which we were practicing six, seven days a week. I think in the fall, we got Mondays off. That was it. Um, but then, yeah, you know, all those stresses build up and it can be so challenging as someone, especially in their teens, right? Young adult years to navigate that stuff, especially when you're kind of just thrown into it. Um, so yeah, I can definitely relate and, and wish I had help. It always to be more. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's only more as you get farther and farther down the road, you know, like you got school, then exams, and then 
then you have to take what you were talking about earlier is like in high school, I got nineties all the time. My first few exams in university, I got like sixties. Like, how do you take that? You know, like, and then continue to try and be like, okay, like, let's go. We got, we still got to keep going here. You know, like there's so many of those, so many of those like stressors that come from nowhere and they get worse and worse as you get older. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. But yeah, you know what? I want to I want to thank you for taking the time to sit down with us today, Adrian, and share your insights and perspective, um, especially, you know, for all athletes uh, can benefit from these, you know, just strategies and the knowledge side moving forward. Um, so before we head off here, do you got anything left you want to say? I don't think so. I just appreciate you bringing me on and hearing me talk for <laughs> so long as we did. I know I can kind of talk forever. So it's it's you bring me on to talk about something I'm passionate about and I'll talk your ear off. So uh, I appreciate it. It's been, it's been good to chat. Yeah, no, I appreciate you taking the time again and yeah, I hope, you know, others can benefit from, from your knowledge, insights and experience. So yeah, I just want to thank you again for taking the time. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks again, Adrian. Cheers. Yeah, We'll see you. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, then make sure to share it with a teammate or friend And as always, never settle for average and keep on striving to reach your highest potential on the grind road to success.